DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Eric Walden, jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret, Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Eric, good morning. How's it going, guys? Good. Did your Sunday night get turned a little upside down real quickly? Yeah, a little bit. You know, here I was looking forward to a relatively quiet off season for, you know, a few days. And then, man, these jazz just won't let me have a night off, you know? Yeah, just for a few days, I understand what you're saying. So what was your initial reaction? Not surprised. Um, You know, we've been kind of hearing some rumblings that uh, some, some changes were potentially a foot in the, in the jazz front office and um, that Dennis was, was going to be the odd man out as it were. So um, yeah, not surprised at all. Uh, I, I guess, you know, the timing took me back. I wasn't expecting it to, to come out on a Sunday evening, but um, yeah, you know, like, like I said, those of us who cover the team had been kind of hearing some rumblings and we've been trying to confirm them and hadn't got there yet. And so um it, it, it seemed like after, you know, this elimination against the Clippers happened and, and kind of the the bad feelings that took place after that, that, you know, some level of change was inevitable. And this was uh, this was the how it manifested itself. So to draw a line from this to the big picture that Jazz fans really care about, how will this impact more playoff wins happening or not happening? Well, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, – you know, I, I think I think this isn't the end. You know, I think there are more changes that are going to be coming uh, over the next few days. I think we're going to see some other shifts in the front office. Um, I do think that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, okay, does Danny Ainge now come in? Does he take in? Does he take on a big role? I'm hearing that Justin Zanuck is unquestionably the guy who's going to run the show. And if Danny Ainge or, or anyone else come along, uh, they'll be answering to him. Um, I guess, you know, even even with him uh, having been in the Jazz organization for a number of years now, you know, it, it, it was a situation where Dennis pretty much always had kind of final say on things. And, you know, they did... I, I was listening to you guys' interview with Shane Young earlier, and, and to his point, you know, there is... While there is this perception that it's, you know, that, that such runoffs decisions are kind of unilaterally made by the guy in charge and um, that's not the case you know it is always a team of guys and the Jazz have had a very experienced team of guys um, you know ultimately if there's if there's disagreement or dissent it comes down to one guy to pull the trigger on it and that's been Dennis and now we'll see that be Justin Zanuck and uh, you know I expect he'll have slightly different philosophies on where to go personnel wise than Dennis did so you'd have to think that with Jay-Z's experience that the franchise is in good hands as far as that goes when they start making decisions. How much do you think that the new ownership is going to be involved? Because we saw a track record, particularly after Larry Miller passed, as what Gail Miller was going to do. And I guess, theoretically anyway, that could change. There could be a change in philosophy there. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, we'll see... You know, 
it's an interesting point, right? Like we, we someone asked Dennis about uh, the, the influence of Ryan Smith when the Jazz were doing kind of their day after exit interviews with the media, you know, and and he uh, he, he spoke words that turned out to be kind of prophetic, you know. Um, he mentioned that you know regime change is part of the deal with the NBA, and that as Ryan Smith got a little more comfortable and then acclimated to the situation that um he would start to take the franchise in a direction that that he saw fit and yeah you know this is this is the first domino falling from that um i do expect we're going to see some other changes coming in the front office to that point in terms of you know him dictating like hey i want this player i want that player i don't know that that will be the case i think i think his influence comes more in the fact of these are the people who i trust to kind of uh be the decision makers and and to be the the voices who you know are are on that uh committee of people making making those choices so um yeah i think that's where his real influence will come you know in terms of does he bring in Danny Ainge? Does he bring in Shane Battier? Does he, you know, name personnel guy X, Y, or Z? I think that's where you're going to see Ryan Smith's influence uh, more come into play. People might be a little surprised by the name Shane Battier, but that is not the first time I've heard it. You've obviously heard it. You wouldn't be throwing it out there. Um, why do you think that, and what what would the benefits be? Well, so Shane Battier has been uh, in, in the Miami Heat's front office for the last few seasons, and he just recently left his position there, so he's a quote-unquote free agent. I don't know uh, at this moment specifically what his interest is. Um, you know, I've heard some conflicting things about whether or not he'd want to come to Utah or, or whether he's chasing some position out of the league entirely. Um but, you know, he, he's considered a smart guy. He's considered, you know, a knowledgeable personnel guy. Um, you know, he obviously uh, was was a successful right-hand man to Pat Riley and down with the Heat in Miami. So, you know, it's a name that I've heard linked with them, just like we've heard Danny Ainge linked with them. How much, you know, uh, of that is smoke versus fire, I don't know at this point. But, um Again, I'm, I'm hearing that, that Dennis is not going to be the only casualty of, of this change. And so, you know, with some people set to leave or, or have their roles changed, you know, that opens up some spots for other people to come in. What's your good instinct on Mike Conley? I think probably they find a way to bring him back um, just because they absolutely need him back. You know, with with Rudy's contract kicking in and, and Donovan's contract kicking in, they're going to be up against it salary cap-wise. And if they lose Mike, they absolutely cannot replace him with, with a like talent, um, you know, with anyone who's making any kind of significant money. So, you know, that said, I feel like, you know, this, there's got to be a middle ground sound. Um, obviously, he, you can't bring him back at the number that he made on his last contract uh, just because that would be crazy and, and the penalties that you'd be paying to the league for being that far over the cap uh, would be astronomical. But, you know, between their need for him and the fact that they're that much better with him and the fact that, you know, he's he's put it out there that he and his wife like it in Utah, I think those are all factors that, that play well 
into uh, you know the possibility of him returning. Now, obviously, he he played it a little cooler when we spoke to him the day after the season, and you know that that's to be expected to some degree. You don't necessarily want to, if you're in his situation, come right out and say, "I'm absolutely, definitely, 100% returning to Utah," because you know that that gives him no leverage. But um, I think in the end, there there's probably a way to make it work that makes both sides happy. So without making people's heads spin with a bunch of math and a bunch of uh, salary cap and luxury tax uh, explanations, you know, as we try to figure out what kind of owner Ryan Smith is going to be, if they bring him back, even if he's, I don't know, 15 million, 20 million, I've heard all kinds of numbers thrown out there, the number for Ryan would be significantly bigger because of the luxury tax. So if they do bring him back, I guess that tells Jazz fans that uh, Ryan is willing to write really big checks. Right. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like we'd be looking at a guy who in his first two seasons of ownership uh, enabled the team to be a a tax-spending team both years. And, you know, nothing against the Millers. They had a certain way of doing business, and, and, you know, that happened occasionally under them. But I don't recall a time that it ever happened two years in a row, and, and certainly not to the degree that we'd be looking at this year if they bring Mike Conley back. That's, yeah, I mean, without getting into the specific numbers, as you mentioned, they'd be looking at paying a hefty a hefty bill to the league for being so far over the cap. So, um, And, I mean, as it was this year, they were one of the top, I want to say, five or six spending teams in the league already this past season. So... He certainly would be uh, putting his money where his debit card is. In terms of personnel, did the Clippers expose something to the Jazz that they need to correct as far as going into next season goes? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, You know, I think the Jazz took an approach of we are going to do these couple of very specific things and we are going to be so good at them that – you know, it won't matter what you throw at us. And we saw the Clippers, you know, exploit that to a, to a degree. Um, you know, the Jazz got it done all season long with having uh, Rudy Gobert in the middle and then and then surrounding him with four awesome shooters. Well, how do you beat four awesome shooters? You put five awesome shooters out there. Um, and then, you know, just the fact that all season long, the one defensive issue that the Jazz they didn't consistently have problems with it, but it was it was the most consistent scheme in terms of throwing you know a monkey wrench into their scheme, and that was having uh, five switchable guys. So I think you know the fallout from that is is you're going to see the Jazz perhaps try to get a little more flexible. You know, um, ideally you'd like one or two extra wings who are you know between six seven and, and six ten and who are capable of guarding multiple positions. You would like a guy who's capable of changing the dynamic at the five spot, you know, like like Nick Patum did for the Clippers, uh, just in terms of being able to space and spread the floor, in terms of being able to hit from deep, and, and again, in terms of being able to guard a smaller guy out on the perimeter. Um, do I think that Rudy Gobert has got a really bad rap as a result of that series? Yeah, I do. He still is clearly one of the best defensive players in the league, maybe one of the best defensive players in the history of the league. Um, but, you know, he got put into a bad position of, 
having to pick his poison. You know, everyone got on him about, oh, man, Terrence Mann scored 30 points on Rudy Gobert. Well, yeah, you know, um, not to say that Rudy was perfect, but when he's having to choose between, you know, Paul George or Reggie Jackson getting around a hobbled Donovan and, and Mike Conley and having a clear path to the rim for a layup versus, you know, taking his chances with Terrence Mann, of all people, you know, uh, being able to consistently knock down threes, he made the choice that I think most teams would make in that situation, um, and and it just happened to bite them this time. Uh, that said, you know, that that sure seems like an opportunity for this team to kind of address that, you know, and, and opposed to having three classic-style, old-school throwback big men in Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors, and Ujoka Azubuki, you know, this seems like an opportunity to add someone in, in the vein of Nick Batum, who's smaller, more mobile, and has some shooting touch. So, yeah, versatility is, is the uh, the keyword for the Jazz this summer. The thing is, and I get why you want a Nicholas Batum type, if, if not him specifically, when Rudy was recruiting him a year ago. Um, and I, I get that, but that only works if the other four guys can stay in front of their guy. And I know Donovan was hurt. But, you know, okay, the other three guys stay in front of their guy. If you get the, the fifth shooter, that doesn't solve your defensive issues unless the other guys are defending better. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this is uh, that's, that's absolutely true. Their perimeter defense really was not uh, operating at peak functionality against the Clippers. <laughs> and part of that is that, you know, you had Donovan was hobbled and you had Mike Conley who was hobbled. Part of it also is just that they're a naturally small backcourt to begin with. Um, and, you know, you saw with the Clippers having all those guys in there with the long arms. So, yeah, they certainly could stand to upgrade in that area, you know. And this is, this is the problem with the NBA, right? Like there's so many good teams and good players that all it takes is, is one bad matchup for your season to fall apart. So um, I think – Really, what the Jazz have learned from this is, um, you know, we saw the back third of their roster really kind of devoted to either young guy, really young guys who they hoped to develop, who they hoped would kind of come through and, and turn into more, and a few veterans who were like uh, very specific specialists, you know, like Ersan Ilyasova, who I think maybe they hoped would be that small ball five, but he just his own perimeter, you know, his own mobility is so limited at this point that it wasn't going to work. And then, you know, a specialist like Matt Thomas, I think what you're going to see them try to do this year is take some of those, you know, 11 through 15 spots and and hopefully, you know, add a bit more depth with guys capable of defending on the perimeter, add a bit more depth of guys who are, you know, switchable defenders, add a bit more depth of guys who can still that small ball center role. So we see that there are definite needs on this team. And, you know, maybe they are limited to only specific matchups throughout the league. Because, I mean, we certainly didn't see anyone attack the Jazz with as much success with a small ball switchable lineup as the Clippers did, right? But, uh, you know, Mike Conley brought this up in his exit interview. Like, this is, this is what you have to do in the NBA. You have to have – this is why depth matters. So that you can have guys like that that you can throw out and match a specific situation.
So, Eric, you know, Ryan Smith isn't the only new boss in town. You got a new boss at at, uh, at the Tribune. Are, are you nervous? Oh, that Aaron Falk guy. He's uh, I wouldn't as trust anyone him. who's ever met Aaron knows he is an extremely scary and volatile guy. Um, right. <laughs> you know, I personally would have rather worked for someone who's a little more calm and 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 collected and and with a you know non plus demeanor, but. That's just me. Uh, I guess I'm just going to have to make do with this guy who's ranting and raving and raging all the time. But um, and, and for those who obviously don't know Aaron, I'm, I'm you know being sarcastic and smart ass like my mo is. Aaron's an awesome guy. Um, the only nervousness I have is that I've worked under Joe Baird, uh, the outgoing sports editor, for a lot of years, for well over a decade. And I love Joe, and I'm very used to working with Joe. And change is hard for everybody, right? But yeah. that said, I know Aaron, and I know what he's about. And I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. And I think uh, our readers of the Salt Lake Tribune are going to be happy with the changes that uh, they see coming from us going forward. Because I'm a little nervous what's going to happen when they replace DJ as my partner. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know something that DJ doesn't? <laughs> No, 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 not at all. <laughs> Just teeing me up again. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Eric. Random bomb to be dropping in that moment. <laughs> Nothing random about it. <laughs> he was locked in on that for a while. All right, we'll let you go from this uncomfortableness now, Eric, and you can just uh, take off and do your own thing, Eric. Yeah, unfortunately, once you've been exposed to some PK uncomfortableness, it kind of lingers with you for a while. So, um, <laughs> it does. Disease. Yeah, disease. I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna throw myself into some work, and we'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if we can get that rinsed away ASAP. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Eric right, Walden, jazz writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. PK uncomfortableness <laughs> lingering throughout the day.